Shortly before the um, uh, Chicago fire many, many years ago, uh, uh, Dwight Moody had preached a message uh, one evening there in Chicago. And within a few hours after the message was over, the fire broke out destroyed uh, hundreds of, of hundreds and uh, actually millions and millions of dollars worth of property and hundreds of lives, took hundreds of lives in the fire. And, and it haunted D.L. Moody because that evening as he preached, uh, for some reason he, he said he, he didn't give an invitation. And he said uh, the rest of his life, he made a commitment that, that when he had opportunity to share the gospel, that he would be sure that people uh, knew that there was a decision to be made, that they had opportunity to make a decision for Christ. And he wondered how many people had went out into eternity, possibly unsaved, that if he had given an invitation that night, may have made a decision for the Lord. Said he never would know, but he knew that that spoke to him, and, and, and God used that powerfully in his life. Well, we have been, uh, we've been spending a, a good bit of time in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 looking as, we've, as we started through the book of Matthew, and we got to this, this message called the Sermon on the Mount that, uh, that Jesus is speaking. And Jesus has been, uh, all during this, this message, the longest discourse uh, that we have in Scripture of Jesus where he preached, and he's been preaching for a purpose and I believe we come to that purpose in the latter part of the message and the, the scripture we're going to look at this morning. Jesus has been preaching us and been preaching to bring us to a decision, to a place of making a choice. Someone said that uh, all of, of life con uh, consists of man at the crossroads or concentrates on man at the crossroads, forced with decisions. And when we think about that, it, it kind of makes sense. Every day, I mean, every day, the decisions that we make, some maybe not so significant, you know, when are we going to go to bed? Last night, I was one of the, what I think Jeff called them, the lightweights, okay, lightweights. We, uh, Barbara and I went to bed, I think we made it till about 1130, went to bed, but then uh, I, I love, how many of y'all had redneck firecrackers, people shooting guns? I love that, Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, we had that. Then we had firecracker, you know, fireworks going off in the neighborhood till, till after midnight. Might as well stayed stayed up because we were enjoying that. Um, so one of the lightweights. But when are we going to go to bed? You know, what what are we going to wear? Decisions. What what are we going to eat? What are we going to fix? What are we going to cook to eat? Um, some decisions a little bit, you know, more serious. Where, where am I going to apply to school? Where am I going to school? Glad to have all these college kids in home and those visiting from Kennesaw State. I understand that Solomon and Nicole are really going to fix up a super meal before you have to go back. Uh, yeah. But uh, where are we going to school? You know, what, what career path am I, am I, do I feel like God's calling me to? Decisions to be made. Some decisions are more serious and, and the consequences of those decisions uh, that they carry with them are, are, are greater. Some consequences we see the results of immediately of decisions. Others may be a lifelong uh, result of decisions that we make. And then the decision of uh, who are we going to, uh, you know, who are we going to ask, who are we going to marry? I, I, and, and those things can be kind of surprising. I, I thought Richard Tanner had been hunting. I saw him with camouflage on. I thought he'd been deer hunting most of the deer season 
And then last week I realized uh, at deer hunting, he'd found a, a diamond. And I think it's on Candy's finger there. So uh, he, didn't, he didn't find that where I've been deer hunting. Uh, <laughs> congratulations. But, but decisions, and I, and I tell people when they come for marriage counseling, I tell them, you know, this, this is a big decision in your life that has long-term consequences. But the biggest decision that any of us will ever make is the decision of what we're going to do with God's son, Jesus Christ. Whether we're going to uh, accept him, see him as God's provision for our sin and accept him as our Lord and Savior and follow him as a follower of Christ, or whether we're going to be content to just learn more about him and maybe about what different religions of the world think about and teach about him and to know him as a historical figure, or whether we're going to write him off completely and just say, you know, I, I don't need that, it's a crutch. But the decision that we make concerning the Lord Jesus Christ and what we're going to do with him is the most important decision we're ever going to be faced with in our lives. And its consequences of that decision are eternal. And I believe Jesus has is, is, is brought us to this message, the Sermon on the Mount in chapters 5, 6, and 7. He's brought us to this, to this very place, to this crossroads of making a decision. He's, uh, and, and we see that in the, in the scripture today. There's two gates. There's two ways. And God presents us with those choices. Matthew chapter 7, we're going to pick up verse 13 and actually read through, through verse 23. Actually, through verse 27, is, is a, we're, we're picking up right on the, the conclusion of Jesus' sermon, of his message. Uh, and I, I, just, I, I just want to say the very end of that, the conclusion, Lord willing, to next week, because uh, one of my favorite illustrations in all of scripture is the, the, when Jesus talks about the wise man and the foolish builders, the wise builder and the foolish builder. And that's his, that's his final illustration. But we're at the concluding of that message. And uh, we've got it in the New King James here. Jesus now has been preaching and he says, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Two paths, two gates, two choices, two entirely different destinations, life and destruction. And Jesus brings us 
to this place of decision in his sermon. And really, we understand and know that, that God, God has always been trying to bring people to a place of, of making choices and of choosing wisely. In the book of Deuteronomy chapter 30, Moses was still leading the children of Israel. And, and speaking through Moses, God presents to Israel to a choice that was to be made. And he says to him, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, he says, choose life that both you and your offspring may live. Now, we'd think, well, what dummy's going to choose death? He's saying, you, you, know, you want to live, you want to die? Zach always, this rhetorical question, and, and Zach, he said, you know, we can remember when Barbara said, do you want a spanking? I mean, you ever said that? You want a spanking? And, uh, you know, and he's, uh, well, yeah, I've been waiting on one. I just, you know, I'm just hoping you'd do it. Uh, you know, sometimes we ask these questions, and, and God says to, the, to his people, I've set before you a decision. There's a, there's, a, there's a decision to be made. There's a choice to be made. Blessings, curse, life or death. Choose. And it's not only, here he says, and the consequences are going to be far-reaching, not to just you, but to your genera- the generations after you. After Moses would, would pass off the scene, then God raised up Joshua to lead his people. And through Joshua, God also brings his people to a place of decision. In Joshua chapter 24, Joshua says, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you'll serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side are the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Joshua saying, hey, look, your, 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 your fathers and grandfathers and grandmothers that came, that came here, came here serving God and obeying him. Now you've moved into the land that's, that's been occupied by the Amorites and by other heathen nations, pagan nations that worship pagan gods. And he said, many of you now are, are, are choosing to follow. And matter of fact, you've took up the customs and the cultures and the, and the, uh, uh, of these nations around us. And he said, you, they're not, they, they don't commingle. It's like oil and water, right? They, they're, they're, they, they don't get along together. So he says, you choose who you're going to serve. But he says, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. But God, again, brings them to a place of making a choice. And one of my favorite portions of scripture that I think, uh, that I love, and I, I can remember preaching a sermon many years ago. I can't remember a lot of things yesterday, but I can remember this sermon many years ago, preaching a sermon on, but will the real God stand up? There used to be a, a TV show back when it was black and white TV. Your kids won't remember it, but older people might. That call, it's called To Tell the Truth. Remember To Tell the Truth? And they would have a panel, they would have a People, the people, the contestants, but they brought on some person and they would have three of them and they all claimed to be the same person. And the, the panelist's uh, objective was to choose who was telling the truth, who was real. The other two was phonies, but there was one real one up there. There are a lot of phony religions in the world today. There are a lot of phony gods in the world today. And the voice of the world and the voice of many of the religious leaders of the world is, well, they're all okay. It's just and they're going to lead to the same place. Just be sincere. Pick one and follow it. But the voice of God's word is very clear. There's a choice to be made. 
There's a decision to be made, and you better choose wisely. I always think of that. What is that? Uh, uh, what is that? Search for the ark? Is that the one where he finds? He's looking for the holy grail. He goes in there, and you know, and uh, and I love it. You choose. You chose. You chose poorly, and then it's just bad. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but 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 with this decision of what we're going to do with truth, what we're going to do with God's truth. One of my favorite portions of that is found in the book of 1 Kings. And it's after, after a, a long ungodly reign of uh, Ahab and Jezebel. And the prophets have been trying to get the people's attention. As a matter of fact, the prophets said, God's going to withhold rain. And it, it didn't rain for three and a half years. Now, we saw how, how pretty, pretty serious it got around here this summer when it went for over 100 days without any significant rain. I, I've never remember it being that dry in, you know, growing up here. Gary, Gary was telling me, they were, uh, I remember one night, I think it was in a trustee meeting, he said they were, they were digging a basement for a house and they went down seven, eight feet and it was still dry, just dry. Never seen it that dry. That's just after 100, 100 days. Here, God had withheld rain for three and a half years. That's, what, that's a thousand days, right? Isn't that something like that? It's a long time. And he'd shut the heavens up. Creeks had dried up. Springs had run dry. I mean, and then the prophet Elijah calls the people together because it's time to make a decision. So he calls them up to Mount Carmel. And I was able uh, to stand on Mount Carmel and look out across the, the valley of Jehoshaphat, the valley of, of Megiddo there, and, and to look. But we were up there and they, they were telling us there's a spring about halfway down. And that, would, that was a spring that that Elijah brought the water up, the prophets brought the water up to wet the, the sacrifice. But you know the story, but, the, but as Elijah stands up to call the people to make a decision, he says these words in 1 Kings. He says, Elijah came to all the people and he said, how long are you gonna halt between two opinions? Now, if he had been from North Georgia, he had said, how long are you gonna keep straddling the fence? Right? How long are you gonna keep straddling the fence? And I just wanna tell you, if you've ever straddled the fence, it ain't comfortable. It's an uncomfortable place to be in. How long are you going to stay there? How long are you going to halt between two opinions? If the Lord be God, this makes all kinds of sense. If the Lord be God, follow him. Don't that make sense? That makes sense. But if Baal, and here stood this prophet of God, and over here stood hundreds of prophets of Baal. There was a whole slew of these guys over here. And this one man over here on the authority of God, he said, but if Baal's God, then follow him. Now that makes sense to me. Find out who's God and follow him. Find out who's God and follow him. And it was one of those response of the people. They were speechless. They didn't say a word. They didn't say a word. Three and a half years, no rain. And, 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 the, and, and again, the, the result of being a long time under wicked leadership. And, and uh, you know, I, I would want to say, yeah, yeah, you know, you know, real God, let the real God show up. Speechless. Makes sense. Don't you want to follow the real God? Don't you want to make the right choice? Jesus brings us to a crossroads. In his sermon, he brings us to this crossroads and he concludes his sermon. Someone said it was make up your time, mind time on the mountain. 
<laughs> Jesus says, is make up your mind time on the mountain. The wide gate, the wide path. The narrow gate, the narrow path. Which of these two gates are you going to enter? Which of the two paths are you going to follow? Now, for a long time, I kind of looked at this, this, this scripture and I saw the narrow gate as being, as, as, as being a narrow gate with a, with a, with a, with a, you know, with a narrow path. And I saw over the, the gate, I would see the sign, the way to heaven, the way to heaven. Straight and dad, you say straight and R, it's, you know, it, it's a, it's a straight gate. It's a narrow path. New King James says it's a difficult. It's not, you know, it's, it's not an necessarily an easy path sometimes. And for a long time, then I saw the wide gate as a wide gate and it said road to hell. And on this was all kinds of immorality, all kinds of sin, all kinds of pleasures. And I realized this past couple, three weeks, I probably had a misconception of that. I probably had a misconception of that. And let me explain why. And I think, um, I think if we look back over all that Jesus has been preaching in the sermon, so if we, if we take it, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, if we had been there that day and listened to this 20-minute sermon, you say, I'd love to find a 20-minute sermon. I can remember at Christmas time, you know, yeah, I told you that last Sunday. They said, I got 15 minutes. I said, I think it'd be less than that. And Jackie said, yeah, we'll all be surprised if it's less than that. <laughs> but but we, we, as, if we listened, if we take Jesus' message and we look at it again and we, and we listen to what he's saying to us, it was, it's really not a message comparing the way of the cross with, with paganism and heathenism and, and uh, all the debauchery. It's really, he's presenting to us man's religion and he talks about the scribes and the Pharisees and God's standard. And, as, and thinking about it in those terms, I look at this and I think, wow, is it possible that the, the narrow gate and a, and, a, and a narrow path has over it road to heaven. And the wide gate with a four-lane highway going from it and flowers along the road and, and flowers on the medium says road to heaven. You see, Satan, Scripture says we aren't, we're aware of his schemes and his devices, the methods the methods, we look at scripture of how he sought to deceive people. He didn't come to, to, Adam, uh, to Eve in the garden with an apple tree and a persimmon tree, a green persimmon tree at that, not ripe, not hadn't frosted on it yet. Now, frosted persimmon's a little bit different, but if you've, anybody ever tasted a, a persimmon? You know, some of you younger kids need to find a persimmon tree next year. <laughs> and before, before it frosts, Take a bite of persimmon because you hear the expression, that thing sours a persimmon or it'll make your mouth pucker. Take a bite and you'll know what they're talking about. All right, Satan didn't come and say, Eve, look here, here is a, here is a, 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 a you know, this persimmon tree. It looks bad. It tastes horrible. But take a bite of it. You know, Satan, and scripture warns us that it's the things that he comes presenting a pretty picture. He comes presenting a package of lies wrapped up in a pretty package. And so as we look at Jesus' sermon, 
You remember when we think back over the Beatitudes, he says, you have heard it said that you'll not do this, but I say to you, do this. This is my standards. This is man's standards, but this is God's standards. And so I'm, I'm, I'm really thinking that somewhere along the line that Satan's got this broad path and it says road to heaven. Man's way to heaven. The narrow gate, God's way to heaven. But there are those who say it don't matter which path you take, you're going to end up the same place. And Jesus refers to them in verse 15 as false prophets. What do you mean? He said, but these people are lying to you. They're lying to you. It does make a difference, the choices we make and the decisions we make when it comes to God's truth and God's way and God's standards. Now, as Jesus was preaching this sermon, most, again, again, I'm, I'm convinced as I read and look at this, that, that really the contrast was between the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious leaders and rulers and the religious religion of that day and the religion of most of the people that were listening to him compared to God's. And if you want to know the res- what they were depending upon, in Luke chapter uh, 18, I think it is, in Luke chapter 18, he's, he's reminding us that it's, it's, it shows us and it gives us a lot of insight into what they were trusting in. And as this talking, referring to the scribes and Pharisees, look what he says. And he said, he spake this parable unto certain, to the ones, the scribes and Pharisees, which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Now, I think if I was going to, if, if I was looking at that, I'm saying that Jesus was talking to a bunch of people that thought they were better than everybody else around them. And they were trusting in the fact that they were better than the next one. You know, he's looking, he's looking over at Tim saying, well, I, I'm, I'm, I think I'm better than Jerry, so I'm, so I'm going to be a little bit ahead of him wherever he gets. And he may look around and he said, well, but I'm not hardly, as, I'm not hardly better than Alvin, but I'm somewhere between Alvin and Jerry, you know, when it comes to far as our walk with the Lord. And you say, well, Jerry, that's dumb. And it is dumb. And we would surely never think of verbalizing that. But if we aren't careful, we go there in our minds. And we just, it's like the old, oh, it's like the old saying, right? Was it about the bear and the, I don't know how it goes, but you've got the picture of the couple in the woods and, and the wife looks over to the husband and said, honey, what are we going to do if a bear gets after us? And he said, I don't know. I know I can outrun you. You know, we, sometimes we kind of we look at that, that, that picture and we think of eternity and we think of where we're going to spend eternity and we think, well, I don't know, but I'm, but I'm, but I'm, I'm, I'm better than jury and my heart is good as Dale. And Jesus said he spoke this to those who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. Wow. A puny man-made religion that says we're okay we're okay what are you trusting in are you trusting in yourself Jesus preaches this message to bring us to a crossroads to bring us to a decision a time to make a decision and it really boils down to, to I believe to one choice either 
I'm trusting in myself that what I'm doing, that what I'm saying, and that and that the good stuff that I do uh, that I do's, the good stuff that I does, the good stuff that good stuff that do. Whatever I do, I'm, I'm, try, I'm either trusting that, 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 that all that is going to be good enough or I come to realization somewhere in, as the Holy Spirit opens my eyes and minds that, that there's nothing I can do that's good enough. And so if there's nothing I can do that's good enough and I really want to go to that destination of life, then I realize that God has done that, that, he's made, that he gave his son, Jesus, that's what Christmas was about on this heavenly rescue mission to earth to rescue fallen man to redeem us back to himself. And so I say, God, I could never be good enough, but your son Jesus was good enough and he died for my sins. And so I need his forgiveness and I need him to take my filthy unrighteousness and I need him to instead give me his righteousness. And that's the choice I'm faced with. What am I trusting in? Two gates... Two paths, two destinations. Which one are we going to take? And again, I'm convinced that both of them are going to say, road to heaven, road to heaven. Several years ago, Many years ago now, and, and uh, Pastor Honecker was here first service, and those of you who know that Pastor Bill, know Pastor Bill and Bobby, you know that after he retired from the service, they worked with, uh, they went to, to serve with Sunshine Ministries out of Azale, Texas for a while, and while they were with uh, Sunshine Ministries, they lived in Australia. So after service, he came up and, and we commented on this, but many years ago, many years ago now, Billy Graham had just concluded a, uh, a, sermon, uh, a uh, crusade in Australia. And uh, I don't know if it was in Sydney, I don't know if it was in Melbourne, but, but after the crusade, the local paper, and I want to say it was in Melbourne, but I'm not positive about that, but, but the local newspaper ran a letter. And I, and I know I don't, I, I don't read to you all, but listen, this, this is, I'm going to read the letter. And it was signed. It wasn't an anonymous letter, it was signed. But listen to it because, because when I read this letter, and I've read it many, many times the last few weeks. The, the more I read this letter, the more, I, the more I thought, wow, that could have been in the New York Times or Atlanta Journal-Constitution or the North Georgia News or the Cherokee Scout. Let me read it. So after hearing Dr. Billy Graham on the air, viewing him on TV and reading reports and letters concerning him and his mission, I am heartily sick of the type of religion that insists my soul and everyone else's need saving, whatever that means. I have never felt I was lost, nor do I feel that I daily wallow in the mire of sin, although repetitive preaching insists that I do. Give me a practical religion that teaches gentleness and tolerance, that acknowledges no barriers of color or creed, that remembers the aged and teaches children of goodness and not sin. If in order to save my soul, I must accept such a philosophy as I have recently heard preached, I prefer to remain forever damned. 
and you read it and it's like, it's like a, a cold water in your face, isn't it? You listen to it and you say, could anybody really say that? And then, if, and then we, we, we pause long enough to listen and listen around us. Just give me a religion, a practical religion that teaches gentleness and tolerance, acknowledges no barriers of color or creed, that remembers the ages and teaches children of goodness and not sin. And I hear the world, I hear the cry of the world. That's what the world is saying. That's what the religions of the world are saying. And they're saying, it doesn't matter if you go in the broad gate or it doesn't matter if you go in the narrow gate. That just as long as you go into a gate and you're sincere with it, it doesn't matter what choice you make if you decide this thing about a relationship with Christ or if you choose another religion because all religions are going to end up in the same place. And Jesus says, no, no. Matter of fact, in Jesus, John would say that there's a sheepfold and Jesus would say that he is the gate to the sheepfold. That no one goes to the Father, and that's God. That no one goes to the Father, or where the Father is, that's heaven, except through Jesus Christ. Now, there's something else we need to look at as we get close to, to my conclusion. Jesus presents us with this choice. And then, one of the reasons that I really feel like that it was, that, that, that both, both gates may say the road to heaven is because verse 15, he then reminds us of false prophets. And then he tells us so, so often, you remember when we read it, he talked about the good fruit. You can't pick, you can't pick, uh, well, he don't say strawberries, but he says you can't gather grapes from a thorn bush or you can't figs from a thistle we'd say you can't pick apples from a blackberry bar or you can't you know and and he talks about trees remember that he said a good tree has good fruit and a bad tree has bad fruit and a bad tree can't have good fruit and a good tree can't have remember all that and he, and he makes a point of saying you'll know them by the fruits you'll know them by the fruits i mean between verse 15 and verse 20 he says that so many times so many times that if i'm sitting there listening to him that day i'm kind of like well, Jesus, you've already said that. You've already said it twice. You said it three times. And I think that Jesus would say, I want to be sure that you get what I'm saying. I want to be sure you understand this. Be sure you understand this. That there are multitudes that are religious, but know nothing of a relationship with me. And the end of that path is destruction. It's not life. Choose wisely. Choose wisely in following me. Matter of fact, he goes on, and listen, listen to this. I, I, because he, I, he says in verse 21 and 22, he says, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Verse 23, or verse 22, he says, for many will come before him and said, Lord, we did all kinds of good religious stuff. Now, he says, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. Now, that's some pretty big stuff, right? That's some pretty heavy-duty stuff. It really is. That's heavy-duty stuff. And all of that, verse 23, he says, but in your name, we done many other wonderful works. 
In other words, Lord, this is our ticket. We've been on this broad path. And, we, and this is all that we've done. And we've got there now to the end of the path. And this is our ticket. Look what we've done. And there's nothing wrong with what they've done. Except none of those things will get us to heaven. That's what he says. He says, and then I'll have to say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. Now, why would he say that? The key is back in verse 21. Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. I'll give you some verses. I, I, didn't, I didn't get them to Craig. Luke 8, 21. John 14, 23. Jesus is telling us in both those places that if we love him, we will keep his commandment. If we love him, we will obey his word. If we follow him, we will walk in obedience to his word. James would say it this way. It's a very practical James. He would say, be sure that we are not just a hearer of the word, but a doer. But James would follow that up very quickly and say that we are supposed to be doers of the word because we have heard the word and now are followers of the word. We don't, we're, we're not saved by doing good things, but after we're saved, we do those good things because we have a new sheriff in town we have a new king on the res on throne of our heart it's, it's, it's the lord jesus christ we have the residence of the holy spirit living within us bringing his word to truth and to clarity jesus says there's two What's, who was that who's the, is, who's the guy that is, i don't i think he played baseball and he always was notorious for these famous sayings Yogi Bear, Yeah, wasn't it Yogi Bear that said, when you come to a fork in the road, take it? When you come to a fork in the road, take it. And that seems to be the philosophy, if we aren't careful, the law of the world. Now, we're, 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 this is, I'm excited. Today is, is January 1st, 2017. Can you imagine? I mean, when I was back in, you know, when I was... Just a teenager, we figured by the time 2017 come along, we'd be, you know, it'd be Jetsons. We'd be doing space age stuff and all this. And we'd have all the problems of the world solved and all this. But if you've listened to the news, I know there's, uh, I think there's some terrorist attacks in Turkey yesterday, last night. Horrible things happening around the world. But if you listen in the news here recently in our country last week or so, whether it's because of a new administration that's coming into the White House or whether it's because of, of, of the hope of more jobs or whatever, but, but it says that there is a, there's a hopefulness that people seem to be facing this year with a hopefulness. People need hope. We need hope. All of us need to have a hope. But I want to tell you this morning that some people put their, their, their hope in, in financial security. And Proverbs warns, I think it's Proverbs, Bill and Marlene, their, their 
financial teachers. I think it's Proverbs that says that riches can take wings like a word and they're gone. You can be here, you know, you can be rich today and a few months from now, you can be, it can be gone. Don't put your hopes in riches. You need enough to pay the bills, need enough to live on. Every once in a while, I'll buy you a Reese's peanut butter cup. If you really want to live big. And I just tell you, it's been a long time, but, uh, but the last week off, I really got bad. And uh, for some reason, I hadn't ate a baby Ruth candy bar. It had been so long. That's when it's got the nuts and the caramel and the chocolate. Oh, my goodness. And I got one of those things. And I, every, every bite reminded me of when I was young and had hair. And I, I, it was just, but don't put, if you put your hopes in money, it has a way of being gone. You know? Some people... Listen to me, some people, and Jesus warns about, are putting their hopes in the good things they do. Wow. And Jesus is saying, don't do that. Because it's not in the good things you do. If you do good things, it's why are you doing them? Are you doing them because you love the Lord and you want to obey Him? If so, that's awesome. Then He says, you go and get a cup of water in His name, there's a reward in it. Okay? But be sure. Be sure that our hope is in the everlasting, never-changing, eternal Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. He is our hope. And we face, and it's in Him that we face this year or tomorrow or next week or as Jamie, as Jamie was sharing and as Rosemary was, was sharing with Jamie, the cancer, the strokes, her husband was 50 years old when he, when he died, died of pneumonia. Yeah? We, we, look at those things, we look at those things and we say, wow, you know, how, why some people have to go through so much and why others, some, sometimes we don't, we don't think we get by, we don't have near that much. And, and I don't understand that. I don't know the answer to that. But I know the answer to where hope is, whether it's little or whether it's much. And that answer to our hope is in Jesus Christ. Our hope is in him. The sinless Lamb of God who never changes. Jesus brings us to a crossroads and he doesn't tell us take one. He doesn't tell us take one. Thomas, just the night before the disciples were, the last night they were going to spend with Jesus literally before his crucifixion. And he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. If I go, I'm going to come back and get you and you will be with me forever. And Thomas, he is probably from Sharpsburg, down there next to Peachtree City. And Thomas was a practical guy. And Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. If we don't know where you're going, how do we know how to get there? And Jesus looked at Thomas in John 14, 6, and he said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Jesus brings us to a fork in the road, and he says, follow me. Follow me. Life and destruction. Choose wisely. Let's pray. Father, how we, how we rejoice in you and in your word, your word that is everlasting, your word that is true altogether. And Lord, thank you for the privilege we've had of spending some time just digging into and going over and, 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 and hearing this message that your son Jesus Christ preached that day from up on the side of the mountainside. And I hear him, and I, and I hear him clearly saying, hey, 
Don't be foolish and be religious and lost. But be wise and follow me to a relationship that leads to life everlasting. Father, it's my prayer this morning that every one of us that sit here can say we have chosen to follow you. And Lord, that that choice bears fruit because we walk in obedience to your word and to your statutes. Now, Father, if there are those that are here that have never trusted you as Lord and Savior, they've never made that choice, that decision, and you've offered it to them. We looked where you offered your people. I've set before you blessings and curse, life and death. Choose life. Joshua said, hey, you're going to follow the, uh, which God? For me and my house, we're going to follow the Lord. Elijah said, find out who's God and follow him. And this morning, Jesus Christ has said, hey, hey, there's two ways that look right. But there's one that's my way and it's the only way through me. If there are those here this morning that have never made that choice, it's my prayer that this morning, the first day of January 2017, that they not only start a new year but a new life by choosing to ask you to come into their life and forgive their sins and to make them anew. Father, that's my prayer. Their heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. It's a personal decision. And Jesus saying, choose me. Choose me. Choose life. But knowing that in choosing him, we're choosing obedience to his way. We're choosing adherence to his standards. We're choosing his grace, absolutely. His mercy, for sure. His truth, his righteousness, his will. But this morning you're saying, hey, I've looked at it all. And this morning I want to ask Christ to come into my life. With the heads bowed, just raise your hand up and keep it up. So, and as you raise your hand, you're just saying, Lord, come into my life. I trust you. And put your hand right back down. Thank you. I see that hand. See the hands that are raised. Praise the Lord. Father, we rejoice in you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that it's not about religion. That, Lord, we could work and work and work and do and do and do, but you've already done it. And we just need to follow you in obedience. Now, Father, for these that have raised their hands and you put them all down, Lord, I pray that as, as they ask you to come in, your word says in, in Revelation that you stand at our door of our hearts and knock. And if we open a door that you will come in and have fellowship with us and us with you. Your presence, uh, Romans would tell us, Romans 8, that your presence, your body, that your presence of the Holy Spirit would come in. Now, Father, come into these lives and let your Holy Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God, abide and continue to guide in each heart, in each life that's opened their heart to you this morning. And we worship you. And we give you praise for you. This first day of a new life for these that have trusted you. We give you glory in Christ's name. Amen.